episode is this? Eight. Eight. And it's Amityville part two. Part two about the crime. The, the crime. Not the haunting. I think we like to have little convos in the beginning that are not necessarily related to the topic at hand. The convo we're gonna have today is that Morgan is on glass five? Five? Five. five. It's amazing. I feel really good. <laughs> Also, okay, we <laughs> need to just talk about this for a moment. So we went to Via Marina, Via Marina tonight, Moines. which is like the best restaurant, P.S. And our favorite guy there, Herbert, a.k.a. Herbie, a.k.a. motherfucking Sherbie, managed to organize the sale of the most amazing thing that I've ever owned. A goblet, or, or two goblets that we've named <laughs> the DeFeo goblets. They're the DeFeo goblets, and they're the only thing we're going to drink out of, out of in from, any from podcast. From this point forward, any any podcast we record, we're going to be drinking out of these, regardless of what we're drinking. We can be drinking I don't even milk care. out of these. We're going to drink milk out of them. We're going to drink uh, white chocolate, um, <laughs> Irish cream stuff. We're going to drink Tia Maria out of these motherfuckers. But they're what brandy sniffers? Yeah, or cognac. Yeah, sniffers? something. Whatever. I don't even care. But they. The best part is that they have this red lion on the front, and I just really feel like it's something that, like Ronald DeFeo Senior yeah. would have yes. very much appreciated. So it's like a very Italian family in the seventies mm-hmm. vibe going on, and we're both drinking from them, and they're amazing. So shout out to Sherby. Oh, and also, uh, thanks for, like, all of your podcast feedback or something. I don't even know. On Twitter, uh, we're at my dark HR hour er, abbreviation er, podcast. podcast. Uh, so, like, hit us up. We appreciate it. And we appreciate all the people who take the time to review us and like us. We like you, too. And if you don't review us or like us, we also like you. Do we? Yeah. Morgan's feeling good right now. I she's, feel she's so feeling, she's feeling love. Good. Aimed, aimed at everyone. It's just this Moscato coursing through my veins. I have not drunk enough to feel <laughs> love towards pretty much anyone yet. Well, so you know. that's okay though. Keep going, girl. I'm working on it. Alright, y'all. So today we are going to spill the hottest tea. About the DeFeo fucking murders in 1974. Yep. This is this is the true crime aspect of this. And I think originally this is all we were going to do. We were not going to do the haunting. But I, I think I had this idea that maybe there was a serious aspect of this case. And we have struggled to find it. <laughs> There's not. There's not. There's, there's all sort of, fucking bullshit. There's a glimmer of one, I think, in one of the books. But... Everything else surrounding this case, all of the books, all of the movies, all of the websites are so fucking insane that this is just, I don't even know if I can call this true crime. I don't know what to call this. It's crazy. I know. Like, this defies explanation. Yeah, I don't know how this spiraled into such a hot ass mess of craziness and rumors and weirdness it's very weird so oh my god but at the center of this there there is a true crime i mean there was a a family who was murdered so i mean there there is there is a real kind of sad thing in the middle of it but boy is that been buried by so much mountains of shit shit. (laughs) like mountains and yeah like four kids died yeah and they just their faces were just blown off one of them it's yeah it's horrible it's horrible um don't look at the crime scene pictures 
Well, well, some of them. Are some okay. of them are, are are not so graphic, but if you dig Ugh. a little bit deeper on, on into the depths of the internet, you will find it's rough. Really bad pictures. So don't don't go looking for those. It's bad. So, so should, let's, let's start from let's, the beginning. Let's talk about the crime. Uh, people probably know about this crime because it's been put in all of the Amityville movies. They do make some mention to this crime. They do. So, 6.30 p.m., 13th of November, 1974. <laughs> I want you all to close your eyes. We're going to go back in time. I want you to imagine the 70s in long fucking island new york okay just like italians running around in sports cars like doing that thing that they do with their voice in the movies okay so (laughs) butch okay ronald defeo jr i think we should just solely call him butch yeah. It's confusing when people call him Ronnie Butch. or Ronald. Yeah. Butch DeFeo. So Butch DeFeo. Butch is his um, nickname. And we'll get to, like, how this is, like, so fucking appropriate later on, I think. So he runs into a bar called Henry's Bar that's down the street on Ocean Avenue. And he yells, you gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. That's my best. It's Long Island. Best Long Island. My Long Island slash Italian. Wow. 1974 accent. So, he runs in. He thinks his mom and dad are shot. So, of course, like, all of his friends are in the bar. Yeah. Bobby Kraske, this guy named Joe Yeswit. Yeswit? Yes. It spelled like Yeswit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't even care how anyone says it. It's fun. <laughs> well, who's the other guy? Does oh, it even I don't matter? know. I don't remember the details all right, well, of any of this. He, he grabs a, a, a posse, and they, a all posse. Go back, and they all go back to his house. Which Run, is like, drive back to the house? Which is two blocks away. <laughs> but they drive. <laughs> which literally, it was like a two-second drive. You, you could just walk, but they, yeah. they drive. And it talks about them gunning it, too, gunning which is it. so funny. Like You know the neighbors oh my God. fucking hated this family. Seriously, they, I so mean, much. They were... I don't know. Do you call Italians white trash? Like I don't know what you. Mm. I don't know what the derogatory term is, but it was that basically. Like yeah. they just showed up and were. It's like ugh. hella trashy. So okay, they yeah. go back to they go back to his house. They walk into the house and they find Butch's parents, totes dead in their bed. So Joe, Joe, yes, wait, this is really hard to say. Goes and calls nine one one. And the 911 operator is, like, very concerned with how to spell, <laughs> to spell his name. name. That comes up a lot. Oh, my God. There's, like, a transcript in the beginning of High Hopes by, what's the guy's Gerald name? Gerald Sullivan. Southern, yeah, I couldn't think of his first name. Sullivan, who was the prosecutor in this uh-huh. case, which is a really interesting book, and it's where I think most of the facts that we're getting tonight come from. Let me highlight facts. It's, like, the craziest transcript because so much of it is asking him how to spell his name that literally five families could have died in the amount of time that it took. <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous. And they're very concerned with, like, what's the phone number, where yeah, you are, and it's right. like, really? I know. It's, is this really what's important? Yeah. Right so what happens is the cops get there, they walk in, and they find the bodies of Ronald, a.k.a. Big Ronnie. Big Ronnie DeFeo. DeFeo, uh, who was 43. They call him Big Ronnie because, like, he was fat, okay? Yeah. He was fat. Yes. Louise Brigante, Brigante DeFeo, who's 42. Don, who was 18. She's the older sister. Allison, 13. Mark, 12. And John, 9. So sad. Like, little tiny kids. All murdered of, in their beds. Murdered in their beds. All of they've been shot. All are laying on their on their stomachs in very similar positions. It is strange. Yeah. And so there there is, and I didn't believe that until I saw the crime scene photos. I'm like, oh no, they actually Super are. Super weird. And right off the bat, Butch DeFeo, who's the only surviving member of this family, is sort of. I don't know what happened here. This is so crazy. You know, my parents didn't have any enemies. And the police take him in for questioning. I don't know if it's because they just want to know what he knows or if they suspect him early on. Do you have any sense of that? Why they pull him in, like, immediately? There's differing stories here. What do you think? I think they fucking know he did it. Yeah. He was a real piece of shit. Like, Butch DeFeo, we were talking about this earlier, was such an asshole. And I think well-known to the police. 
He'd been in trouble um, a lot and many was a, times. a drug addict, was yeah. had stolen shit. Yeah, was so we'll violent. get to this definitely about his history and crime. Yeah. So I think I mean I think they suspected him from the get go. Mm-hmm. So they take him downtown. Take him downtown. <laughs> and according to um so okay, another book that we <laughs> God damn it. Another book <laughs> that we read. So bad. Well, that we skimmed. I read a giant portion of it and then I had to skim the last part because it was just like too much. Is called The Night the DeFeos Died, Reinvestigating the Amityville Murders by Rick Osuna. Uh, and okay, now, so like the, in the book, they explain the title of this book. Oh, and now the only way that I can sing it is this The Night the DeFeos Died. Because uh, apparently. We'll get to this. Dawn made up a song to that, you know, Chicago Dad. She made up a whole song about her parents dying to that tune. So that's all I that's the only way I can think of it now. But this book is fucking stupid. It's bullshit, right? It's horrid. So So bad. They're but they're really only two books that even claim to be somewhat factual about Is the this murders. One of them? Yeah. Oh my God. I think I mean there's there's High Hopes by Gerald Sullivan and then there's this and then I can't, everything else has some sort of supernatural bent to it and so yeah. these are the only two that claim to give you some sort of real information about the murders. Yikes. Someone write a book oh please. Oh my god, yeah. So there there's nothing really good out there. But so, so according they, to this they book, take, they, they take, take him to multiple Police precincts, they oh, move geez. him around. And beat him up. And, beat him up. And this book claims forces a confession yes. out of him mm-hmm. that he murdered his family. Right. Now, the Gerald Sullivan book also, I think, does touch on the idea that the cops may have, have used some physical force to get a confession. Right. A little. But they also point out in that first book that he, he does confess... And but he cooperates. He does, but his confession changes over time a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the defining characteristic of Butch DeFeo, yep. is that any story that he's going to tell you is going to change. For I mean, f- definitely. Because he's been in prison for how many years now? 45 years. Literally his entire life. Oh, I guess we're jumping the gun by saying he's in prison. <laughs> but he, he was convicted. Surprise! He was convicted on these crimes. And I mean, his story has changed so many fucking times about what happened. Yeah, like, this guy's super full of shit. Super full of shit. What, like, his first story was that he woke up with someone else in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, like some random stranger in the house who he thought was, like, a mafioso who killed his family and he'd escaped. Right. I feel like that was his first story. Yeah. So he had witnessed the murders. Then he claimed, well, this, this random mafioso made me shoot my parents, but then he killed my the siblings. Kids. Right. Then it turned into, oh, just kidding, never mind. There wasn't a mafioso there. It was me. But, but I was high and maybe under, like, supernatural influence. Yes. Then it was, oh, actually, I saw these black hands shoot the gun, and I thought it was my sister. Yeah. Well, at first it was, I, I saw black hands give me the gun and I think it was Satan. And then it turned into, wait, no, no, never mind. I think that was really my oldest sister. And that, this is, we're not even scratching the surface of yeah, the other stories that, in, that he's told crazy. about this. crazy. So, regardless, he's arrested, charged yes. with these murders. Yep. And convicted. Of quickly. All, uh, quickly. Of all six of these murders. And put, not on, not, didn't get the death penalty, but was put in for life. Yeah, he got six consecutive, six consecutive. life sentences. And was first eligible for parole in 1999. And, and was denied. Of course. Shockingly. Of course. Yeah. So uh, let's kind of go rewind and um, talk a little bit about the DeFeo family dynamic. Which is, I think, the most interesting part of I this agree. entire thing I totally by agree. far. Oh my god, totally. His family was fucked up. Yeah, like, imagine the worst family situation that you could ever imagine, and then multiply it by, like, three, and that's the DeFeos. So, Ronnie DeFeo Sr., Ronald DeFeo, big Ronnie, was, by all accounts, like, a gigantic dick. Beat his wife, 
beat his children, mm-hmm. especially Butch. Like, straight up kicking, punching, all of that bullshit. Also, this guy, at some point, starts to think that he has ESP and becomes, like, super religious yes. and thinks that he's able to predict the future. Wait, wait, wait. But, like, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. So, they're from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. The parents Oh, right. Are. Yeah. So, they get married young. I mean, Super young. 18? Yeah. Or something? Mm-hmm. And there's some sort of story, I feel like, that the, the mom, whose name was Louise, Ronnie DeFeo sort of coerced her into dating him. That she wasn't really that interested in it. Oh. But, I mean, there was sort of this idea... I mean, if you ever want to see, like, what my idea of a rapist looks like, it's this guy. Like, if you look at a photograph of him, I'm like, ew. Like, yeah. this guy looks like a fucking... He's he's gonna spike your drink. Yeah. And have sex with you when you're passed out. Like, he's he looks like that guy. Like, exudes this, like, gross machismo that's, like, so sick. So, at one point, apparently, Louise left him... This is crazy. Like, super unhappy marriage. They end up having Butch really quick after they get married. Uh They end up having Dawn. They end up having Allison. They end up having Mark. And then Louise is like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm done. This is, this is, I'm done with this. After, what, four children? Right, four kids. Yeah. And then (laughs) the way he gets her back is he writes her a fucking song. Oh, that actually yeah. gets recorded, recorded and be actually becomes like kind of popular. I think did it. I think maybe it was just. I recorded. don't know, but I think we could find it, which we probably should, and edit it in here. I'm sure oh we God. can find it on YouTube somewhere. It would be so great. So can I just read it? Can I read some? Sure. Of it? Yeah. Read, read the lyrics. So this is Big Ronnie's song to Louise. It's called "One Is a Lonesome Number." <laughs> plagiarism. What is the loneliest number? <laughs> Thank you. So this was in 1963 that jazz great Joe Williams recorded this song. And the lyrics read, If you are going with her and you can't win and you're constantly in a spin, if the winter time feels like spring, it's not puppy love. It's the real thing. So now you know what love is. It comes to everyone. Love is that certain feeling. When it comes, your life has begun. When you fall in love, go all the way, dirty, and thank your lucky stars for the day. When you can be sure it's not a fling, then your heart will know it's the real thing. And apparently, I know, right? Apparently these words were, like, so mesmerizing that she fucking came back to him. And it's super great because (laughs) we, like, talk about how Butch in, like, interviews is like, My dad loved her. He wrote a song for her. It's, like, crazy. Like, why? What? What? This is the trashiest bullshit. So trashy. Ever. Oh, it's so horrible. And Louise's family was wealthy, and they fucking hated Ronnie. They hated hated him. And he was such a loser. Like, Mm -hmm. they basically just had to give him a job. Right. At a car dealership. Yeah. They gave him a dealership to run. Right. But he was one of those really, I find that a pathetic thing when men, or anybody, but mostly men, like, can't get a job on their own and just have to be kind of given a job yeah. because they're pathetic. That's yeah. this guy. It's like, ugh. So Louise's dad, Michael Brigante Sr., he was the owner of this dealership, and they knew that Ronnie was not able to provide for her and also was beating her. Mm-hmm. They knew all this stuff. Yet they would, they gave him a job, they, like, employed him, gave him all this money, pretty much bought their house because they would not have been able to do it on their own. And then they talk about how if Louise needed anything, she would just call up her dad. You know, if she needed perfume, she would call up her dad and then her dad would send over like a case of perfume. So he is extremely wealthy and providing for this entire family. So not only is Big Ronnie like not able to take care of his family, he's like not doing a good job, but then also is just like a tyrant in the house and beating the shit out of everyone all the time. So an emasculated man who makes everyone else's life miserable. Yes. So it's it's all kinds of men's feelings coming out in violence. Yeah. It feels like to me it's kind of the story of this family. No change there. P.S. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's a theme that you're going to be hearing yeah. uh, a lot yes. in, in what we talk about. Yeah. Uh, so they lived in Brooklyn and then moved 
I think right after they get back together. So mm-hmm. right after the song comes out. Because yep. they moved to Amityville in 65. Yep. So she's pregnant with John, the youngest. And then that's when they get the house. And she comes back to him. So they, yeah. So they move out to Amityville, which they make it sound like it was a mansion and like this big deal. Which maybe it seemed like a mansion after an apartment. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it really, it's really not. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's three stories and a basement. A finished basement. It is, There was a but... motherfucking pool and a boathouse, girl. Okay, they they put the pool in. I'm not saying that wasn't right. a big deal, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I I had a house that was that size in my neighborhood growing up, and it didn't seem yeah. like a big house in it. It was exactly the same floor plan, and it seemed like just like, you know, kind of an average house. Did it have one of those, like, spirally staircases? Uh-huh. <gasps> what? It's, I promise you, though, it didn't seem like a mansion. Oh it, it really just seemed like an average, like, two-story house. Because there's technically a third floor, but but it, it's sort of meant to be, like, extra space. Like, it's not, like, a real bedroom. Oh. You know? So, it's, I mean, it's more like a two-story house with kind of a finished attic. Oh. So, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It. Okay. So, they move into this house and make it the <laughs> tackiest fucking thing <laughs> you could ever imagine. Oh my god. So, like, if you've seen the... I'm assuming people who are listening have seen the movies. The movies are really tasteful in comparison to what the house actually looked like. I was shocked. Oh my god. When I first Nothing saw... Nothing like it. When I first saw crime scene photos, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the house? It's bananas. Everything is gaudy, bright wallpaper. Yeah. Gold. Lots of gold. Lots of, like, shag carpeting. Crystal chandeliers. Crystal chandeliers. Lots of fake flowers. Yes. Dawn, in her room, in her bedroom, had gold foil wallpaper with pink flowers. Which I actually... I think the wallpaper in the I house is actually amazing. I love it. If you had just oh that God. with, like, a tasteful, like, wood floor, I think it would actually be okay. It'd be kind of cool, yeah. But it's... I don't know. I, I didn't live through the 70s, so I don't know... If this was common, I don't feel like it was, though. No, like, I feel, I feel like, like it was, like, a couple steps above, like, Yeah, common. I feel like this is very over the top. Clearly, I feel like Ronnie Sr.'s idea of what rich looked like. Mm. Very nouveau riche, tacky right. sort of thing. So just trying super hard to, like, live up to this idea of what a wealthy, like, family man is supposed to be and look like. yeah. So, I mean, a grand piano and oil paintings of the family. Oh, my God. Which, which is the talk- best part. It's the best part. And they get talked about in that book, The Night the DeFeos Died. But you can also see photographs of these paintings because they were on the staircase. And apparently they cost like $50,000. Which is insane. And there insane. was four of them. Yeah. Well, so I think total they gives cost 50000 Oh. I think thought- it was 50000 a piece. That's what I thought. But God, I hope not. I also was skimming, so <laughs> I think it was fifty thousand total. But still, I mean, in nineteen seventy four, that's a $50, lot of fucking money. Dollars is right. inc- it's crazy. Right. The Amityville house cost eighty thousand dollars to the next right. people who bought it. So I mean, wrap your head around that. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. A ton of money. But anyway, so they had these really. They're, I mean, they're actually kind of well done paintings. But who the fuck gets oil paintings of themselves? I mean, no. that's a weird thing to do. It's really weird. And then the real, the weirdest one is of Big Ronnie and Butch. <laughs> <laughs> Big Ronnie is sitting there with the weirdest look on his face. It looks like he looks really dumb, and he is taking a wine bottle. And pouring it into a fucking goblet, mm-hmm. like we're drinking out of right now, that Butch is holding. Mm-hmm. And Butch has, like, a super weird look on his face. Like, he's like, uh, what do I do? Kind of. And I just really think a lot about the symbolism of that. Like, they talk about this painting all the time. They talk yeah. about Big Ronnie, like, filling Butch's glass and how it looks like it could just spill right onto you if he kept pouring oh my god you know there's some symbolism behind that shit you think you think the artist was deep enough or oh my god yes to be doing symbolism there absolutely oh god the greatest part about these paintings also is that after all of this happened they were cut from their frames and fucking buried with louise's mom in her casket yeah because I, I was wondering what, what happened to these. Someone's got to have these. They would be worth a goddamn fortune. Somebody would buy them. And then I read in the book. Like, they had cut them out of their frames, 
rolled them up and put them in her coffin. Right, except for the one of Big Ronnie and Butch. Oh, you're right. Apparently, she was lost in a fire. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, good job. I know. Yeah, that's right? true. That's actually kind of spooky. I that's know, a little spooky. Right? Ooh. So they, okay, so they buy this house in Amityville, and like I said, I'm sure the neighbors were not excited to see this family roll up, because they were loud, they had hella drama. I mean, I think the cops got called over there all the time, they were constantly fighting, hitting each other, out on the streets, yelling at each other. Their oldest son was a drug addict and a criminal. Yeah. So, and this was a... a pretty wealthy neighborhood so i'm sure they were like are you fucking kidding me like get out of here you guys yeah so uh, from all accounts their time there was pretty pretty dramatic i mean there was a lot of violence can i just read it an excerpt yeah so okay keep in mind that this is from this book this is from rick asuna that i see asuna R.I.C. Couldn't even get the K K. in there. (laughs) No, he doesn't fucking deserve the K. So apparently, this is an account of the true story behind Amityville through possibly Butch's words, but it's mostly through the words of a woman named Geraldine DeFeo. Surprise! Butch had a wife. Or so she claims. It's nobody, total bullshit. Nobody else mentions this ever. It's total bullshit. So. But she like magically was there for everything that everything, happened. Yeah. Every single thing. I feel like this is just an example of like what a typical night in the DeFeo house was like. Here we go. Crying hysterically, John informed his brother, Daddy's going to kill mommy. Bypassing his injured brother, Butch took the stairs two at a time to reach his parents, who were arguing upstairs. Butch reached his parents' doorway and saw that his mother's blouse had been torn, partially exposing her breasts. Before Butch could say anything, Big Ronnie slapped Louise and then punched her breast. Seeing his son standing there, Big Ronnie turned toward Butch and charged. Although Butch was knocked over, he quickly got to his feet. From the third floor, Don yelled down, You motherfuckers! You all are no goddamn good motherfuckers! I hate you all! Mark, still having a difficult time around because of his football injury, yelled out from his room, What's going on? Should I come out? Can I come out? Literally, everyone (laughs) in the family is involved with some kind of fucking drama. I just imagine that, like, everyone's... Like, there's just constant screaming and throwing things in this house. I I will also say, though, that I do feel like this book may not be an entirely (laughs) accurate picture... I mean... ...of the day-to-day life. So I imagine... It was probably bad, and this book has ramped it up. Oh, God, so much. A lot. So I imagine dysfunction, but I don't imagine just, like, wall-to-wall screaming. Like, yeah. that, that can't be true. This book is... No, it's, like, way too intense. It's too intense. Book. This book is very full of salacious details, like, really tacky salacious details. Like that Ronnie and Louise, they, they had had such violent <laughs> sex that they kept breaking their bed frames, and so finally they just left a box spring on the floor. Like, that's in here. And I'm like, okay, okay. I don't fucking believe that. Yeah, no. I just don't. No. And I feel like the descriptions in this book really make Butch always seem like the hero, too. He's, like, constantly running from, like, fight to fight, being like, Oh, I shouldn't have break everything up and be a peacekeeper. Right. So... When, like, he... I really feel like he was actually... Most of the most the of cause the problem. Of, yeah, he was the cause of yeah. most of the strife. Yeah. So yeah. So d- really dysfunctional family. Butch had been troubled. It sounds like pretty much his entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, or at least since thirteen or fourteen, maybe. He was an overweight oh, kid. Yeah. He was bullied. It sounds like, and then. Once he hit a certain age, became sort of manipulative. It sounds like, like yeah. to kind of deal with not being popular. So he, to me, he always comes across. He never seems like a sympathetic character. He always seems like a manipulative, lying piece of shit. Like, right. he just, there's nothing about him that ever seems good. Just it's like always, a typical sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. But not even smart, not clever, mm-hmm. not interesting, nothing. Just... Always out for his best interest, though. Yeah. yeah. Watch interviews with him. Like, he does, he, there's not... There's nothing about him that's sort of like, oh, I want to know more. It's right. just like, no, he's exactly what you what you think. He's just a total 
boring criminal yeah who's always lying and always have to get things for himself yeah and i really feel like he is not a smart person no and the reason that i think this is that like if you read any of his explanations of what happened and again his what his idea of what happens changes constantly but it's almost like when you're a little kid and you've done something wrong and you're trying to concoct a story to not get in trouble yeah I feel like this is what he's... Bush DeFeo is constantly doing this. Yeah. And it's so obvious that it's not true. Right. That the fact... Honestly, the fact that we're talking about this today is amazing (laughs) to me because this guy is not smart enough to come up with anything that's worth talking about, yet we're still doing it, so I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it's the haunting. I know that that's what did it. Right. But exactly, like, when he's caught in that whole, like, well... Yeah, I was there, but I didn't do anything. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's exactly something a little kid would say. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I didn't eat that cake, oh, this but I was in the room. That other person right. broke into the house and did it, but I was there when it happened. Uh, I can remember being, like, a little kid, and I cut my dog's hair. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I cut a giant bald spot out of his hair. And then in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell my parents that my dog was running down the stairs with scissors. And it will explain everything. And, like, I saw my parents last weekend, and they fucking talked about that last weekend. <laughs> they were like, how were you that stupid? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. And I feel like that's exactly what I want to say to Butch to fail all the time. Yeah. How, what the fuck are you thinking? It's so dumb. Anyway, what else strikes you about the DeFeo family? I think just how they make me feel, they make me feel disgusting. There's Mm -hmm. something about imagining what it would have been like to be in that house on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And I'm including in there what the house looked like and what I know about the family. And it just makes me feel, like, sick to my stomach. Yeah. Like, there's this photograph. It's It's in this book, but it's also on the Rick Ostuna's website. Where he does have a lot of the crime scene photos, the, the not really graphic ones. But there's a photograph of Louise and Ronnie's bedroom. And there's, like, dishes on the radiator. Yeah. And, like, half-drank bottles or glasses of wine. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know why that bothers me. But I just have this image of them just sort of, like, drinking wine and just, like, leaving dishes all over the place. And everything's <laughs> yeah. kind of dirty. And no one's really taking care of themselves. And everybody's stressed out nobody's happy mm. it's just constant fighting and drama and everybody feels like shit that's oh. just what i picture i'm like oh my god yeah. <laughs> so i'm i'm very disturbed by this family because i don't i don't have a lot of experience with like domestic violence and i don't i don't know anybody who had a family like that and i know it ha- i mean i'm not right. an idiot i know it happens all the time but i don't know anybody well enough to have them tell me what that was like and so it just seems nightmarish i know it seriously gives me it makes me feel so stressed out when i think about it i do it makes me feel sick to my stomach too yeah so this is the environment in which these kids are growing up which is wild big surprise ronnie and don both turn to drugs so they both start taking speed and get really skinny well, Dawn didn't. I don't think Dawn does. She lost weight, but Ronnie became pretty skinny. He becomes skinny. very thin, yeah. Yeah. And he, but he's also addicted to heroin. Yes. I mean, these were no, not... Well, he says he would only... I forget it's what... It's a chipper. Would, it's a chipper. Yeah, a chipper, that's yeah. right. A casual heroin user. He would only take it user. once in a while. But I mean, he... I don't buy that. I, yeah. I mean, because he was using heroin for years. Right. I'm, so these were not casual drug users. I mean, right. this was pretty... This is intense mm-hmm. stuff. So they turn to drugs. So on top of this all, right, you have an extremely traumatized group of people. Then you add drugs into the mix. I just feel like that's a perfect equation for killing your entire family. <laughs> like, it's like those two things, they just go together. <laughs> drugs plus trauma plus abuse equals, equals killing your entire family. Boom, there you go. That's well, the equation. And, and Bush had a shit ton of, of guns. Yeah, what the fuck? That's my other favorite thing. And I'm looking at uh, the Newtown murderer there as well in the same category. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is his name? Um, Adam Lanza. Adam Lanza. 
same situation where I'm like, okay, you've got someone here who's clearly troubled, yes. and you're just going to give them a fucking arsenal. Just give them guns. What the fuck is wrong with you? So, Girl, this is America. We have our rights. We have our rights. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, I mean, if you're, you can arm your children to come and kill you, I yeah. guess that is your right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Butch, who was a drug addict, a criminal, and very violent, and, mm-hmm. and actually may have killed somebody else. Have you ever heard that story? <gasps> Excuse me, what? It, this came from a book, but I've also seen this in a documentary, that he had gotten into a fight a couple years before, had gotten into a fight with someone, and had this sort of half-memory, kind of like Gary Ridgway, of pushing this guy off a dock. Yeah! Oh my god, I do remember that! And, like, wasn't clear if the person had died, or, like, what had... But then somebody had been found dead, Wait right? a minute, was it the drifter? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, well. Well, maybe bad, a drifter, may not be a Bad drifter. research. But, uh, the, but there was murmurings that he had actually murdered somebody else. Well, and according to Butch, uh, so, uh, you apparently... You can believe nothing we can't comes believe out of this Butch, guy's mouth. But apparently, his grandfather who had ties to the mob, would have him run errands for him. Yeah. Air quotes, run errands, that included melting bodies down in, like, the melting pot at the mechanic. Oh God, yes. Which is, so, I think, ludicrous. I right. mean, I think, I don't know. I, mean, I don't may, know what to though, say about this. He may have, and this, I think this is something that's super valid. So the Brigante, is it Chevrolet? Buick. I'm going to edit this Buick. out. Brigante Buick. I think it was. Was it a Buick? They all, they all had Buicks. Oh my god! Jesus. I think yeah. I think okay. It was a Buick dealer. God, they gave them all cars too. Oh, they they oh, had nice Jesus. cars. Oh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, at his grandfather's dealership, it had been held up like the year prior. Yeah. And a bunch of money got stolen. Like thousands of dollars got stolen. No, tens of thousands of dollars. Right. I think got stolen. So and like a lot of people suspected Butch. Yeah. I think it was, like, pretty much a foregone conclusion that Butch was the one who oh, orchestrated no, I'm, it. Oh, no, I'm almost sure that he, like, admitted that. that he, right. That he had orchestrated the entire thing. And he he said that his dad made him do it. Oh, of course. Worried. Super easy to blame people who are dead. And then what were, were there any other crimes that he had been um, jailed for previously? I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't, I and I'm sorry, this is the kind of stuff that bores me, <laughs> that I don't really pay attention to this kind of stuff, so I don't know. I, I mean, all I know is he was known to be violent, and he was known to be unstable, and they give him multiple guns. Right. I mean, he had, like, a whole closet full of firearms. And a lot of people talk about, so one guy talks about going on a hunting trip with him, and that he's pointing the gun at him. Yeah. And he's like, put the gun down, and then Butch doesn't even, he acts like he doesn't even remember it, and then one of his friends talks about the same thing, where he put a gun to his head. Yeah. And was like acted like he was going to pull the trigger. And he did this to his family members, right. too. Like, he had threatened family members with guns before, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. My question is, how the fuck did this guy have any friends? I know. But he, he had, like, a, a lot, lot of friends. friends. Like, I always wondered that. These piece, these guys, for the most part, who are just complete assholes and have just, just lots of friends, like a whole group of people who want to hang out with them. <laughs> like, this guy's pointing a gun at you. So, what? okay. Honestly... This is what I think his appeal is. Obviously, he was attractive. I mean, maybe not physically, but, like, people were attracted to him Rico for Suna whatever reason. So. I know. <laughs> Rico Suna is like, hey. Oh, but, but. Yeah, no, Rico Suna makes him seem like he is the most, like, virile, attractive, yeah. well-dressed, just, like, irresistible person who gets... All the ladies, mm-hmm. all up in here. It's insane. But obviously people are attracted to him. And I think what it comes down to in the core of all of this, this entire family, is that they play at being rich, important people. That's when true. You play, when true. you portray that, people just, especially stupid people, just want to be near you. God, that's so pathetic. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah, he has like a ton of friends. Which he later implicates also in the murders in one of his versions. Absolutely, he does. So should we get to the theories? What the different theories are here? Yeah. So, I mean, the straight theory, obviously, is that he, by himself, killed his entire family. Like, right. that's what he was convicted on. Right. And 
to me, that's the most plausible theory. Me too. That that is what happens. But uh, other people, inc- mostly Bush, but other people have come <laughs> up with other possibilities for what happened on that night. So we could just ricochet back and forth because there's yeah. a lot. There, there's a couple. Which, before we start, I just want to say something like, uh, hi, there's this thing called crime scene investigation. Which didn't happen well in this case, right. it doesn't seem like. And there's another issue. So, okay, Butch has come out and said, the cops are doing this cover-up. The justice system is against me. I didn't get a fair trial. These are all the things that are wrong. Like, I know that Butch did this. Like, clearly he's guilty. But I also believe that a lot of the things that he says, i.e. the police brutality, lack of a fair trial, all that stuff is fucking valid. And the police have been notoriously hesitant to share any of the evidence since. Yeah, and Rick Osuna, again, who, oh god, there's, there are problems, a lot of problems with this book, but he does He talk, uses the fucking word supposedly. Supposedly, we were supposed to, oh, we were supposed to do that supposedly. a lot. Supposedly, I forgot about that. But he does talk about how he can't get any information about this crime at all. Right. And I don't know if that's because there was unethical shit going on or if it's because they don't want to give out information because of, you know, the whole Amityville thing. Dude, it's because they're fucking inept as fuck. The, the crime that's honestly what it is. looks inept. There was like a thousand fuck. people in the house just like hanging Just wandering out. around and right. fucking everything up. So, right. Yeah, there were problems, for yeah. sure. One of the theories is that actually this was a mob hit. This one's pretty much been disproven because the mob notoriously is against killing children. Mm-hmm. So the idea here was that Butch was acting on behalf of the mob. There was like this whole back and forth where Big Ronnie wanted Butch to kill his grandfather, mm-hmm. Brigante, and Brigante wanted... Big Ronnie dead. The mob wanted Big Ronnie dead because he was embezzling money. It's bullshit. It's it's all bullshit. Utter bullshit. Total bullshit. So yeah. So that's that's theory number. I guess number two. Yeah. Theory number three, which is mostly what's in the night the DeFeos died. Uh, and actually, I find this theory offensive. So this is yeah. like, which I think this is his current claim is that he killed his mom and dad with after being coerced into doing it by Dawn. Right. So Dawn was really, she really just wanted to move down to Florida to be with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And mom and dad went letters. So she's like, let's just kill them. And so she convinces. Wait, wait. It was more than just let's kill them. It was let's kill dad, but then let's kill mom because like she can't live without him. Well, and, and then was... we have to kill the kids because they will not have a parent's. What, what did she explain that whole that all that to? Yeah. Oh, okay. So she does all that. She's insane. He kills. So Butch says that he kills mom and dad. Yeah. But not even not even mom all the way. Like didn't didn't Don also shoot her once? Because the mother yeah. was shot twice. Right. So I think his. So story, mom and dad were shot twice. And his story is that he shot his dad twice, and then his mom once, and then Don shot the mom the second time. Yes. I mean, it's really convoluted. It doesn't really matter. He leaves at that, Butch leaves at that point mm-hmm. to go to work or something. Bobby Kelsky was there and he left. So he went to go find Bobby Kelsky. He found Bobby Kelsky. He came back. And, and Don then, had killed all the kids. Right. And he was like, what did you do? And then he kills Don. Yep. Oh my God. Which is, okay. The fact that like we're having a hard time retelling it. Is, means it's a super convoluted right. story. And it's, it's obviously bullshit. Right, and the simplest thing is always the answer. So, I mean, and this girl is dead, so she can't mm-hmm. defend herself. So I, that's why I find this offensive. So he's taken someone that all we're almost sure he murdered, mm-hmm. and they're now blaming the murders on her. Right. Which is just, ugh, it's so bad. So there's that theory. Then there's then there's another one that, like, Bobby was somehow involved right. as well. So there's a theory that... Who was his best friend. That's who Bobby is. Yes. So there's a theory that Butch had help. Two people that are identified are Bobby Kelsky and this guy named Augie DeGenero. They can't get a hold of him. No one's been able to find him. I love that you remember all these details. <laughs> Bobby notoriously refuses to speak about it. He, he acts like... 
Geraldine said she saw him in Brooklyn and she came up to him and said hi and he said I don't even know who you are and she thought he was kidding but he wasn't so like they're notoriously staying out of it but Butch says that actually so he decided that he was going to kill his family but then Bobby helped him kill everyone and Augie helped him kill everyone and that at one point Big Ronnie got out of bed and started charging at him after he had That's been right. shot the first oh time. And they ended up killing him out in the um, hallway. So they talk about there's this there's this stain out in the hallway. <laughs> I shouldn't even be laughing at this. Which is like, hi, you could just test it to see if it's blood. So they said that they tested it and instead of blood, <laughs> they found it to be just a simple meatball stain. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like a thing that everyone has in their house on just, the carpet outside their bedroom. Yeah, because when you're wandering a, around just eating meatballs, a simple, in the hallway, a simple, simple meatball stain, not a complicated one, right? Um, uh, so either like someone bleeds not very much, or meatballs have a lot of a lot of the gravy. Yeah, but then like he had help getting. Like they talk about that. There's this evidence, forensic evidence, that Big Ronnie had been shot twice and they were at completely different angles which would support that he had gotten out of bed or had moved or something and then had been repositioned in the bed and he weighed 270 pounds they always talk about that how he's obese a lot i know and then and that butch really would need help to get him back in bed so that's a piece of evidence and there is i mean and we haven't really talked about this but there is the problem i mean and this is a legitimate problem in the in the murder everybody People, everyone was shot one at a time, obviously. Yet, once you shoot one person, you would think that you would wake everybody else else up. How did he get everybody to stay in bed? So this is crazy. The Marlin Corporation, who made the gun, so he, everyone was killed with a Marlin 35 35 caliber. caliber, Yeah. And Marlin said that you would be able to hear that gunshot from a half a mile away. Yeah, it's really loud. So that has never been explained. What the fuck is that about? Everyone dies on their, they're positioned on their stomachs as if they hadn't woke up. Although there's evidence to suggest that Louise sat up because and it Allison, has her, and Allison, Allison woke up. Yep. And so, because she had, she had like looked up and turned, they could tell because she had been shot in her in the face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Louise had her hand on her chain, like around her neck and then had fallen down like on her hand and her chain. So everything had kind of like frozen in that position. What else is weird is that Louise Louise was shot in the back, right? Or was she shot in the head? No, back. Okay. Both Don and Allison were shot in the face. Yeah. All the boys though were shot in, in the, the back. back. And they're How did they not wake up? I don't know. And then we don't know that they didn't necessarily, but they were all they they were all convinced to stay in bed at least, even if they were awake. I mean, Jesus Christ! So that and that does support the idea that there was somebody else involved. But who the fuck would that have been? I don't believe it was Don. I just don't. And so it's like, well, and I don't believe it was a mob hit. Well, if you listen to Geraldine, oh god, they were worried that she was going to be implicated because she had, was had ties to the mob too. So they were trying to protect her, and they didn't want it to come out. Oh. That God. Butch was married just for this reason. Exactly. That's There's why, that's no why evidence. we don't know about it or we didn't yes. know about it until this. Exactly. Until this amazing, amazing tome. I know. Let us know. So that is really weird. And when they did autopsies, none of them had any kind of like drugs they in their drugged. system. No. Because that had been a rumor for a while too. Yeah. But it wasn't true. So it's really weird. So I mean, there, there's. There's the Don theory, there's the theory with Bob, and there's the theory with Mafia, and then there's the old theory, the sort of 70s, 80s version that he was spinning for a while, which is that he was possessed by Satan. Right. Which, he he kept that story going for a while, or that there was some sort of supernatural element to it, or something. And then I don't know when that story shifted into the, like, no, that was all bullshit, never mind. So I think what happened was, apparently, according to Butch, William Weber said to him, hey... I'm gonna. We're gonna plead insanity. I'm gonna hatch this story that's gonna make it look like you were insane. You'll get two or three years at most, and then you'll be rich when you're out because we're gonna have this book and this movie and all yeah. this stuff. So I didn't really think about this, but it benefits both sides, right? The Lutzes could corroborate that. Yeah, there's definitely some kind yep. of satanic. And they thing make happening. money off of it too, right? And so I was like, oh wow, that's like 
actually kind of a good defense. But apparently, pleading in like insanity was not okay with Butch, and it was definitely not okay with Michael Brigante, who at that point quit paying for the defense, and or well, quit paying for a lawyer, and then he ended up getting William Weber, who was just like his public defender, who's the one who came up with the story. Yeah, but he but he kept it going for years after he needed to keep it going. Right, that whole idea of. Because he, he spun all kinds of stories about, like, weird shit happening in the house. Yeah. And that... So it wasn't just, like, the night of the murders. Like, he he managed to sort of make it a long-term thing. That he had had sort of demonic influences for years. Yeah. So, basically, this is all bullshit. And this really just comes down to the fact that Butch DeFeo is a piece of shit. Yeah. Who is... Ex- where He's exactly where he should be, which is in prison. Yeah, with hepatitis C. He has hepatitis C? Yeah. It talks is, is this <laughs> at the end of the book that I didn't read? It talks about he always has jaundice. Oh, God. I know. Gross. God. So he has hep C, y'all. Although, according to commercials, the baby boomers, they call them generation hepatitis C now. It's a thing. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I want to talk about Amityville too, which Morgan oh hasn't seen. Oh my god! I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep, which I don't understand because that movie is fucking riveting. It's the best Amityville movie by far. But the reason I want to talk about it here is because it's about the DeFeos. They they changed the name, but it's definitely about the DeFeos. And I have to say, they do make it really fucked up. I mean, it's a fucked up family. Oh my god! So I I commend them for kind of going all the way with the fucked up, and there's incest. There is like willing incest, willing excited incest. Take off your nighty. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> okay, okay, and then does a pose with her hair up. And like, there there were there were rumors for a while right. that there that there had been incest between Don and Butch, which is why that's in the movie, right? Yeah. Although, if you listen to Butch talk about Don now, it's so mean. Oh, like, it's horrible. He literally said, after he came home and found that the boy, like, he, she had killed all the kids, that he wanted to throw her out the window, but her butt was too fat and probably wouldn't go out. It's just like, okay, this family is just everyone calling each other fat all the time. It's I'm not even kidding. It's horrible. <sighs> okay, so what's your favorite part of that movie? The incest. <laughs> no, the incest is not my favorite part. <laughs> uh, there's this scene. Oh, it's after their f- it's their first night in the house, and they're you know kind of settling in, whatever. The movie was directed. It was directed by an Italian guy. I can't think of who it was because of course it was. But he was very he was did interesting things with the camera. So the camera starts off in the, this movie's equivalent of the red room in the basement. <gasps> so you're you're oh, isn't it like full of shit? Yes. So yeah. the, the red, the, it's not a red room in this movie, but it's it's the gateway to hell room. It's totally full of shit. It just, yeah, it's like poop everywhere. It's just poop, yeah. It's just a room of, it's a room of poop. <laughs> like a man goes in it and he comes out with poop all over him. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, you got a problem in here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that. It's that room. So the camera is, you're, you are in the perspective of Satan. Yeah, in the room. In the room. And so you come out of the room and you go, you know, up the up the basement stairs and into, you know, the first floor. And so this creature goes by and there's a, a crucifix hanging up in the hallway. Oh, God. And But the light is good. It's like light coming in from the window and it makes this really long shadow. And the creature kind of makes this like, like really angry noise and picks up the tablecloth and throws it over the it's crucifix. It's so stupid. It's so stupid, but I love it. And then like goes up the stairs and then watches the the Bush character like shaving in the mirror. And that's kind of it. But that's that's my favorite part. The growling is really bad. I love it. It's you know what though, <laughs> I was watching The Exorcist last night, and. First of all, that movie's fucking terrible. Wait, I don't... do you know about the face, though? You know about the face. Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. like, split second So it's really face? funny, because, yeah. like, the first time I watched that, that was, like, I hated that movie. It's, like, I didn't think it was scary. But the face fucked me up. And I remember on my VCR in my bedroom, trying to pause it exactly where the face was and finally getting it and being, like, oh, shit, like, it scared the shit out of me. Interesting. I talked to my mom about it, like, recently, and she was, like, what, there? face she couldn't believe it oh yeah and it's not even that quick of us of a cut i know i mean 
It's noticeable that it's there. Right, there was something that It's a couple times. Yeah, exactly. But Amityville 2 clearly is trying to copy The Exorcist. And it's better than The Exorcist. That's the fucked up thing. It's a terrible... Girl. It is. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a higher quality movie at all, but I think it's scarier. Because The Exorcist is just... It's just not that scary. Yeah. I don't get the appeal. You know, I don't know why people think that's the scariest movie. I think it's people, though, who are, like, are religious... I, think I that's mean, like super terrifying to people to religious people. It is, but it's like it's got to be more people than just that. Because I mean, there's a large contingent of people who just fucking love The Exorcist. I think there's like a large contingent of people who are just really religious too. So we think that obviously, Butch just killed his family. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the simplest. That's just what happened. That's what happened. It's it's there's none of this other bullshit. So yeah, so really, at the end of the day, a guy killed his family, and then his public defender was like, "I'm gonna just make up a haunting ton of money off of this." Yeah, and then got another family to go along with it, and that's kind of all. And then we've just been watching Amityville movies for the last forty years because of that. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, and it's also amazing that okay, so like Weber and the Lutzes concocted this story together, like totally played it off as this real thing. And then fucking spent the rest of their time suing the shit out of each other. Yes. The Lutzes maintained that it was real. Weber was like, <laughs> hi, no, not wish. real. And Butch, in the meantime, also sued Weber. And, like, one of the things that I couldn't help thinking about during this whole process, which I don't know if he even deserves to, like, have an opinion in, in this regard, but, like, I wonder how Butch feels having his real life totally, like, turned into this crazy shit. You know, and maybe he doesn't deserve to feel any way about it because he killed his fucking family. I and think, he I created think the horror. I mean, Do you if, think? Yeah, I mean, I think if he wasn't, he would stop fucking giving interviews to people and talking about this. Mm-hmm. If he had any remorse or if he didn't want to just be in the public eye anymore, he would have stopped doing this shit a long time ago. But I read a book, which I haven't talked about yet, called The Devil I Know. Ooh. And it's written... Great title. It's... Oh, my God. It's written by a psychic who... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Who somehow got in touch with Ronnie DeFeo, and it's all about her... Excuse me, Butch DeFeo. Her and Butch DeFeo, like, conquering Satan together. Mm -mm. Oh, yeah. So, basically, her saving him from, from his possession... And him becoming just the fine human being he was before he was possessed by Satan. So, and I think he was somewhat involved in this book. Because this woman has pictures of her and Butch DeFeo. So it's not totally made up. It may be mostly made up. But at least she met this guy. You know what, though? Like, he's tricked a lot of fucking people. I mean, this woman... Rick Osuna has devo- devoted an entire... <laughs> He's devoted suppos- of his life to this. Supposedly. 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 <laughs> this entire book is pretty much made to make Butch look like a good, innocent person. Yeah. So my... I mean, why I bring all this up is I think Butch is very happy to spend his time in prison doing shit like this. Meeting with psychics, meeting with just, like, random people who are interested in Amityville, and, you know telling them whatever bullshit he thinks they want to hear. But I think he's happy being famous. Yeah. Because if he wasn't, he wouldn't get any attention. Nobody would come visit him. That's true. And I think he's a sociopath, so I think he's very happy. And his silk undies. <laughs> as long as he has his silk undies. Silk underwear. And attention in prison, I think he's happy. The finest clothes that all had creases. <laughs> That's right. Because of his mob, his mob connections. You know, though, like, part of me, though, and I... I can't help but think this, and maybe this is, like, the teacher in me, but, like, I felt a little bit of sympathy. Now, let me qualify that. I don't feel like killing kids is ever... That's, there's never a reason to do that. I mean, that's so beyond fucked up, right? But, like, he also, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, was an extremely abused person. He was. And, you know, part of me thinks, like, wow, well, it's not his fault that he was a total sociopath. Because when you're raised in that situation, like, of course you're going to be. That is true. Now, the, the question is, was the dad abused, too? 
Oh, we, I'm we, sure. I don't know if we know, but that would be interesting. I mean, it's like such a generation. Because really, thing. I mean, in a weird way, he's sort of the villain yeah. of this story. Right. Oh, is, totally. Is the dad yeah. Who was, ugh, sounded like just a dreadful person. But also now he's dead and can't defend himself. True. And you know, Butch really makes he he has benefited a lot from not being able, you know, for not having witnesses. Like they're all gone, you know. He he can blame all these people who are gone all they want because they don't have a chance to defend themselves. And the abuse kid narrative does get right. you far. It does. So, Jesus. So, yeah. Um, so Amityville. Amityville. This is where it all started, and we're still fucking talking about it. What the hell? What the hell? But I think that may be all I have to say about Amityville. Me I may, too. I maybe played out on that one. I think I'm good. Okay. All right. Well. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah, um, I don't know what we're gonna do next. We'll have to. <gasps> we'll have to. De- I don't think we can decide right now. We can't. Oh my god, no. But I, I like. I am drunk on Moscato. <laughs> this is not a good time. To I make feel like I'm not ready to commit. Anything. <laughs> don't commit to a topic <laughs> when you're drunk on Moscato. Nope. Uh, yeah. These goblets really served their purpose, though. Oh my god, they did the DeFeo They're goblets. So great. The DeFeo goblets. Lovely. To the DeFeos. Should we, should we clink, we should clink our clink glasses? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.